0: Hello and welcome to Under the Skin from Luminary Media. I'm Russell Brand. This week I spoke with Joe Windley. Joe Windley is an amazing man, voice coach, uh, and what would I say, sort of kind of live performance poet man. He um, uh, helped me with a film that I've just finished participating in and taught me, me, Russell, to speak in an RP voice accent and it, But he was so sort of um, whimsical, philosophical, m- unusual and poetic and the, many of his observations about voice had so many obvious, uh, what do I want to say, um, uh, obviously alluded to sort of spiritual principles and and uh, sort of deeper ideas I, I found him very, very attractive and interesting and I had a lovely conversation with him which I think you'll be well into. Remember I'm coming to Australia, New Zealand and Canada with my new show Recovery Live. Um, Get your tickets at russellbrand.com. They're shifting swiftly, so your best move is sharpish. <laughs> if you want to email me, you can at help at russellbrand. If you need help, I will bloody will help you. Remember to sign up for the mailing list, russellbrand at russellbrand.com, so I can communicate to you directly about my innermost thoughts and feelings. If you want to communicate about this podcast or anything else, find me at Rusty Rockets on Twitter or at russellbrand on Instagram. and Same on TikTok and LinkedIn. Find me everywhere. Well, let's get into this now with a uh, lead voice tutor at RADA, Joe Windley, a beautiful man who uh, talks rather expertly about the nature of voice, poetic and lyrical thinking, the relationship between voice and class, breath, life, essence. Let's enjoy Joe now. Trying to achieve equality with the annihilation of category is not no, a successful that, route. Yes,
1: that's, that's, that's exactly right. We're in this era where it turns out we were never the boss. It doesn't look like an ideology.
0: What's beneath the surface of people we admire, of the ideas that define our time, the history we are told. And welcome to Russell Brand Under the skin. Joe, thanks for coming on Under the Skin. The reason that I wanted to talk to you is because I kept mentioning you. If you listen to former episodes or previous episodes of this podcast, I kept referencing some of the work that we did together. But just for the purposes of bringing our audience on a journey with us as storytellers, this is surely something we must do. Would you uh, just explain what it is you do? And then we can talk more about our relationship.
1: Okay. Well, I can tell you what my job title is. Yes. Uh, uh, which is I'm a voice and speech teacher, um, voice and speech coach, and um, and I've worked uh, in in quite a few UK drama schools and a little bit in America. And currently, I'm lucky enough to be uh, uh, to lead a team of very brilliant voice teachers at RADA. Why I was so? Um,
0: like normally, when I like we met, sort of making a film, and we can be obscure or explicit about the film as is, is prudent, I suppose. But like, a, I am like sometimes when people say, "Oh, you do a bit of voice work," because usually in films, I've like played a version of myself. When when I um, got the part in this film and was offered the opportunity to work with you, I thought, "Oh yeah, I'll, I'll do that." It was a bit. It was a. It's not my normal course of action. Normally, I can be somewhat negligent around acting and preparation and overly reliant on instinct and such. But when I met you, I was very surprised by how holistic and uh, theoretical and indeed philosophical your approach to voice is. How would you uh, describe
1: it? Yeah. Uh, That's well, that's why I work every day because I'm still trying to find ways one to understand it and two to describe it so I'll do my best but fundamentally when i look around at all of this stuff that human beings are doing in the in the in the course of living their extraordinary and ordinary lives because we all have bits of that don't we each of those mm. Um, the thing that amazes me is all of this noise that comes out of us. I was going to say them. But actually, it is us. <laughs> You're one and, one's part of it, absolutely. And uh, and uh, uh, ever since I was a, a, a child, there's something like all children. There's something entrancing about these 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 utterances that come out of people that are as, that are like acoustic leaves on a tree. You wouldn't just sort of see a see a tree and and have and have just a leaf. I mean, even even banana trees have got more than one leaf, haven't they? Um, and so on. So it, it, they're kind of like they're these these acoustic leaves that come out of people, and when the breeze goes through them, then all of these different um, uh, f- flowerings of thoughts and ideas and and happenings and events and recordings and ways of of holding and freezing time or sharing an idea that's just a notion of something that's gas formed into things that are more concrete that we can open up with each other and so <laughs> and on a daily basis what i'm trying to do is to take that what i think of as a magical notion and then distill it down into something that can be a range of um activities and exercises that helps somebody to have that sort of acoustic sense of the self and then help them to have their meaning and allow that meaning to be shared with other people. There was a time, and there still is, and there's a lot of legitimacy in this, of course, where you would you would make an activity that's just mechanical, and one does do that. It's-
0: yeah, because I sort of expected, oh, I'm getting a voice coach. I'm going to be taught how to speak RP standard English. That so it's going to be a lot of but. But what actually happened was quite a long philosophical conversation about the nature of self. I'm very interested in what you were saying about how there's like there are numerous voices that could be could be realised in an individual, and something as personal and particular as the voice it could be a construct or is certainly as a result of influence bias that can come from cultural class racial sex gender like there, there are all manner of inflections and this and that's of course where it began to become helpful to um, with regard to the performance is I thought oh my, the reason I speak this way is because I'm from this particular place both culturally and geographically and sociologically psychologically and that that blew me away actually. well the,
1: and it's not only it, it's interesting isn't it because we're virgin on a discussion that shifts into things that people tend to regard as accents or dialects. But then what happens very quickly is people sort of make an assumption that somebody who comes from a particular place speaks exactly the same as somebody else who comes from a particular place which is actually not true. And in actual fact you might speak differently on one day to the next. So the way that you speak is partly uh, uh, a factor of location it's also a factor of time, it's also a factor of wh- how do I ident- identify myself, to what am I drawn So even the place you come from becomes part of um, uh, uh, the roots of you that you kind of form when you when you send a message back out into the world. It's a kind of place doesn't just exist as geography. It also exists inside us. And the voice doesn't just exist as a series of sort of repeatable acoustic tricks. It's a signal that comes from inside us as a living, as a living reality that's not constant uh, as we pass through life. There are all sorts of stages Uh, up until um, a very good colleague um, of mine called Annie Morrison, who's writing at the moment about this uh, and and is incredibly wise, um, cites the fact that that until an infant is something like six months old, you can't tell anything about them. You can't tell racial type. You can't tell cultural uh, 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 identity, ethnicity. You can't tell location. You can't tell gender. All of those things. What you've just got this, this is this ball or bubble of extraordinary cells with such plasticity that it could grow into any linguistic sense of being with identity being in the world. Uh, Which I find amazing, absolutely amazing. So what one's attempting to do a a, a lot of the time is to um, allow people to work with trust, with playfulness, with curiosity, without a sense of hard boundary about the self to go back to a time where they've got that kind of flexibility and freedom.
0: So amazing because, uh, like, you know, I was thinking of the idiom, find your voice, Uh and, like, the the idea that that means find your essential self, or your true self and also the correlates in what you're saying about sort of vocal truth or uh, or even respiratory truth and the ideas certain spiritual ideas ie the unborn self the unrealized self the self that you are before you uh, tether yourself to identity that there's you know that I could have been a thousand different people there are still various expressions and when like I was approaching the character there was a point where you said oh you know you speak like this because in this part of essay at this time, you know, there's a sense to flatten it out and hold it back, and all these kind of like all these aspects of like so. It actually, made me feel a bit emotional because I recognized that my voice was a consequence of sort of conditions that made me feel sad, and that had been. And then you paired that rather brilliantly, actually, with the idea of Boris Johnson who has a voice that sounds entitled, <laughs> and, and uh, 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 that really struck me as sort of a very important observation, yeah. somehow.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, uh, that. The, the the, the power of the bulldog can we say <laughs> you know but it's it, it's it, it and not the first person to to sort of make use of that to dip into um a sort of a, a myth a mythology if you will um and uh, and of course that maybe that's what every accent does um we're working on a on the idea that these are all systematic ways of looking at the voice so it's a system you could call it an idiolect each person has got their individual variant of a speech community's um, sort of collective identity uh, uh, as it were um, but what of course we want people to do I mean as speakers I think we want people to do this is to recognize that of all of these different branches and trees and leaves of sounds that we could use is actually to enjoy difference and variance and respect that because that actually is somebody's twitter handle it's their it's their it's it's twitter before the technology it's a real sense of person and place and identity but of course it happens principally because the muscle sets, and pretty much we've all got the same muscles, I think we could, we could, uh, you know, there's a lot of research to say that that's normally the case. So from where does all of this variation come? And it can only come from the fact that we can use all of these muscles, tendons, bone structures, um, spaces that are shifting, uh, uh, echo chambers in the body, that we can use them in a completely different array of ways. I mean, it's just... Absolutely startling that the same equipment can produce this many experiences. The other thing that I, I, I find fascinating, as well as when if one is just looking at the mechanics and the, and the brilliant sophistication of the mechanics, is of the primary senses. And there's a whole load of researches there not that's now saying we've got more than five senses and, and you only have to do a, a web search to find lots of interesting things that are being researched into But 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 in the area where we are principally shaping the sound, you've got touch, taste, smell, hearing, sight. Is that five? Touch, taste, smell, hearing, sight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um. Uh. And and it's the same equipment that is very close to. uh, Even when we go through passport control, what are we? What are we? How are being logged as being truly ourselves? The eyes. The facial structure, you know, all of those sorts of key identifiers. So the face is a big, big, big thing. We're shaping sound in that area. You make a tiny shift of how you hold the tongue, and it can feel enormous for some people. It's a real problem to to begin to make those sorts of shifts. So we're we're into a place where we are really, if we're wanting appreciation of how speech function uh, works and how and of the different things that people can do, then we kind of have people have to come at it with a sense of humility, flexibility, playfulness. I mean, one of the things, it was a little bit, I was a bit nervous before doing being in a proximity with you to do some some work because your because your tag your vocal tag which is a, a clear part of your um professional life and like all people's um speech systems a, a part of your personal being as well and when there's always that in unsure when was going into work with people but how do you get into that territory and so the, the the thing that one has to have or one is looking for early on is a sense of trust and a sense of playfulness and a sense of curiosity and preferably a sense of wonder about language and every acoustic language in the world is using this same kit i mean it's mind-boggling isn't it? i i just i i it, one lifetime is not enough
0: yeah, the systems of difference and variation. Do you go yeah. around a bit like Henry Higgins looking
1: for clues and thinking,
0: mm, that person, like, are you good at identifying, like, oh, this person isn't, like, we well, must, like, I know you are, like, you know, like, they're in their head voice, chest voice, the tongue is moving in a certain way, like, like are you making those kind of assessments? And, and what kind of um, novel observations do you make? And are there any sort of patterns that you can... Uh, help us to. There, there, there are
1: definitely patterns because that's how you get systematic linguistic structures. Um, you know, uh, uh, one of the things that I love in Scandinavian languages is you sometimes get this sound that goes on an in breath, which is yo yo like that. <laughs> it's fantastic. Huh? Yeah, yo yo. It is, it's like yo yo, but on a breath that's going in yo yo. Uh, uh, and i don't. I mean, I think it's in a. It's like yes, yes. I mean, I, th- I think that's what it is, and somebody will, no doubt. Write something to get, to bring some clarity to that, but but it's a gorgeous and really surprising sound when I first heard it. Whoa, what's that? It was a, it was great. Um, but the thing about the thing about sort of the Higgins approach is it is I think it's a very Anglocentric approach, perhaps in its genesis. I, I I'll run to the edge of my knowledge somewhere, and somebody I hope will be listening with greater knowledge who will provide more information, but. Um, um, But but, you know, as far as I'm aware, for example, the Yorkshire Dialect Society, I think, is the oldest organization of its kind in the world. I'm sort of trending in that direction. Um, And um, so there's something that that comes from these islands where there is an intrinsic interest in it but also from these islands was the exporting of a speech system. And by that, I include the language of English um, and, the, uh, and the acoustic sounds associated and patterns associated with RP that essentially have been used to brutalise um, a, a sense of global linguistic identity. And, and uh, that sucks. When uh, I had this lovely
0: breakthrough at, uh, when I was studying religion in global politics, for a term, <laughs> at, at SOAS, uh, I, they showed this uh, speech of Nehru declaring independence from the British Empire. And the lecturer, Sean Hawthorne, stopped it and goes, What do you notice about this declaration of independence? And I, the swat that I am, said, It's in English. So it's like they were declaring independence in English. So there is a tyranny to language. There is a politics of language and foster wallace wrote about um dialect and like that that there are sort of many many english dialects even sort of in terms of vocabulary and style and stance and i bounce up and down that little class ladder depending on who i'm talking to not always to match sometimes to distance depending on whether it's someone i want to appeal to or attract or repel or whatever yeah it's curious how much unconscious and conscious Expression there is in language,
1: it's fantastic, and I I, 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 I would love. I watched a uh, um, a YouTube video about this the other day, actually. Oh, uh, no, it wasn't YouTube, it was a, t- a kind of a TV channel, but anyway. Um, and it was about this guy from Alaska who was studying octopuses. I don't know, octopi, the p- octopi, yeah, that them, and um. And uh, and I think they're beautiful creatures, and I've sort of snorkelled a bit and dived a bit, and and always found them sort of really, really curious, f- curious and wonderful creatures. You've seen some, have you? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And Ooh. they can they can change colour incredibly, abs and shape and form, we you know, and so forth. And they would seem to be highly intelligent. Um, uh, but what I for me, it is sort of that ability to change shape and form is kind of like our ability to change identity, shape, and form with the landscape of speech systems that we move around in. Kids are brilliant at it. We moved around when I was very, very young, quite a lot. And uh, and you, you quickly learned if you didn't speak like them people, you would stand out. And if you did stand out, you could become a target. So there's something about us that's able to, is it camouflage or is it reveal? Probably both of those things are are, are, are true, that is that is quite magnificent. So it feels to me like, you know, we, we credit ourselves as having so much intelligence and we've got this exquisite um, ability to communicate through human speech systems in language. What we aren't so good at is listening, is actually really listening acutely, one, to the content which we might say is the vocabulary, the grammatical form, but then two, what's the content of the how? So if I say, if I say, yeah, that'll say something very different than if I say, yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a very, oh, yeah. So these tiny little shifts, absolutely, and that's within a singular linguistic construct. Um, all of those different patterns are muscles moving in different ways. They're the airstream moving in 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 a, in an outward direction in the, each of those cases. But the manipulation of the sound at vocal fold level is um letting sometimes a little bit of a more air through, sometimes a little bit less through, sometimes then then they kind of the vocal folds suddenly go a little bit tighter, and then they part a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. There's a
0: suggestion that there's a kind of essential meaning being conveyed sort of sub-linguistically or uh, ultra-lexicon meaning in in that if... Uh, and, and I wonder where that's derived from that I would recognise a yeah as meaning something different from yep. But, <laughs> like, but you would, wouldn't you? You yeah, would recognise it. Like it's got some actual, do. essential, integral, and, and in like sort of like sort of post derrida post-structuralist, there is no fixed meaning to anything. Post-modern sort of understanding of like language and the tyranny of uh, of language. It's curious to consider how important. Uh, how how the the possibility for truth to exist within communication? I was struck then, Joe, by uh, the the community communicate communication sort of. Um, that how much verbal communication and language are a part of that and um, and i i learned i think that from an a, a historical or anthropological perspective that there was the a theory was that we were you know grooming apes and then as we became more adept with our hands we needed to chatter uh-huh. more and communicate more as uh-huh. we groomed each other and touched each other less that grooming takes place somewhat yeah that verbally. makes perfect
1: sense Mm-hmm. it totally makes sense and i mean i think and i think we do things for one my understanding is that that creatures groom partly for comfort for physical connection for identity for um, celebrating a unit or forming a unit and we do so uh, with finding certain sorts of words that would become words that we would recognize and then use you know the 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 use of the word wicked it's fabulous to to see how it's moved from one set of expectations and correctness to an entirely different, um, almost opposite meaning in a contemporary context, and to see that nobody can stop that. <laughs> you know, what I mean, it's yeah. quite a wonderful revolution that happens. I think these ha- these revolutions happen in language all of the time, and uh, and m- moving. I think one has to have the courage to not just exist in a singular. Uh, model of of speech it, um, because if you do, then you you're always looking at trying to correct people. Yes, and that's a bit. I want to say it's a bit dull because there's a part of me that's excited by change. But actually, it depends upon what the purpose is of the communication in the community that's happening. Is it happening in a film context or play context where there are certain sorts of parts of the world or ways of being in the world that you want to represent? Um, Or are there particular um, aspects to the quality of the writing that would favour one way of working, um, more than another, and I'm going very carefully when I think my way through this because because if you take Kate Tempest, the brilliant Kate Tempest, yes, you you you, and if you put that into an RP context, it's just not really going to work, you know. Yeah. I, 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 um, so what I'm trying to get at there is actually if I want to understand that text, not just on the page and not just doing my perhaps distilled or sanitized version of it sanitized insofar as as what an individual might call correct if i want to truly expose myself to the the body meaning what how does it sit in the flesh what's it like to make those sorts of sounds and i'll get all of those meta levels of of understanding come through as well i've got to let go of a singular vision of what is correct that's what's exciting
0: Yes, the imposition of that singular vision is such an uh, obvious sort of power play to tell people this is how you're supposed to speak. You can see how that's used in terms of class in absolutely. this country, Britain, and how it's used racially in the United States of America, and I'm sure here as well. Like, but like that, how uh, that's not how we speak. That's not how you're supposed to be. That's making such an essential judgment of, yeah, of yeah, who yeah. you are and, oh, and where power
1: resides. Absolutely, and and. Uh, because um, it's it's, it's there's a, no
0: reason why the news shouldn't be alright here's the news uh, there's been a bloody terrorist attack we're going over live now to Brian what, 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 Brian? Like, there's no reason why that shouldn't be the news but it seems like a, like a very challenging idea to have the estuary Cockney
1: news but, but somewhere it will be happening <laughs> <laughs> you know. how do you know that joke uh, how
0: can you possibly have that data
1: um, what I can say is that I don't have the opposite <laughs> um, but but I, I, um, you know I mean it is it is happening. There are trends and traits and things that are happening uh, within within news. I mean the voice of authority. You know, are we really saying that I have to speak in a particular way to have authority and 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 a, 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 a soulful, good human aspect to my to my function? I mean, this is absurd when the world is peopled by billions of us. And the majority don't actually speak uh, our shared uh, sense of of, a linguistic system being English. So, and there are we're all spinning on this singular dot, and we don't know what the hell is out there, and we've got to look after it. Then, how we agree with each other is as important, if not more important, as to how we disagree with each other. And if we come at it with the uh, the prejudice of a certain set. a set of sound sets as a as the thing that's most appropriate for everything, then we are in deep trouble because it will end up with people feeling disenfranchised, and there's a lot of that already. Um, and so there's something about that finding more plasticity in how we um, how we find community with each other, and therefore there has to be a celebration of difference. But I do think everybody has to celebrate that difference. It's not a particular speech community that should celebrate it every speech community should celebrate it and i think we're not being programmed by you know the 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 the, the forces of society and and the will of society to be able to uh, fully embrace that When I mean, from a heart perspective when you look at any infant coming into the world you know mewling and puking um, i think that's how Shakespeare has it in um, As You Like It through Jaquis. I, th- I think it is. Um, uh, you look at that bundle of kind of like, ain't done nothing wrong? And the joy that people feel by and large when it's one of theirs. Well, if I give that to one person because I may know them, because they may look like me, am I not duty bound to take that same sense of this person being the world and learn from it when I look at Somebody who doesn't necessarily look like me isn't going to speak like me. Doesn't eat the same food as me, and so on and so on and so on. So there's a the the voice has to come from the heart, not just by the sounds that we make, but how do we listen and appreciate and value things? And I say that, having trained as an actor many years ago, when we were pretty much schooled in a in a in a, a, a singular way of of speaking, which and I'm sort of using a derivative on an everyday basis now because that's kind of how I've morphed but there's a part of me saying it's quite dull because you've got a Norfolk accent normally if I talk to you like prop and my mother she say you can't do it no more boy she say, she say you've been trained has been trained out on you but but um I, I still have a, a my feeling is you can take the boy out of the mud but you can't take the mud out of the boy and and certainly I've got roots that go back
0: can we analyse some regional accents, please? Even though I know there's no such thing as a standard Geordie accent, for example, or a standard Norwich or no- Essex accent. You know, there's a, v- much of what we've said is how there are personal variations. But I'd like to look at, say, some accents and say, um, and infer what we might as- uh, ascribe to it. So yeah. Like, uh, I let's mean, do some, because I want to okay. hear some voices, is yeah.
1: basically what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah OK. I mean, I, my feeling is is that... Is that Uh, we certainly are moving away from this idea of um, accents um, as things that are separate from particular meaning. So the only reason I'm saying that now is because there's a danger that we go back to tokenistic, that we make the speech system a token of something which is an abstract. It, it's right. it's it's an do you see what i mean it's abstract to uh, if i'm talking to you like this i aren't just i aren't just kind of like i ain't just gone found those sort of signs and the sounds and all that sort of stuff i aren't doing that i'm thinking about what i the way i grew up and how i felt about that and so on and i went i didn't speak like that when i was a little boy because i went to i was born in dover dover i was born in dover and, and so on so you've got a lot of you got a lot of stuff. I I learned how to speak this because that's where I found out if I didn't do that, I wasn't very popular and so on. So so, uh, what I'm trying to get at is if I'm going to investigate somebody else's speech systems which are not just physiological they're acoustic they're psychological they're emotional they're imaginative all of which is a person turning the pages in the book of their life then what we have to try and do is to get into those things so this is about recognizing that the technical parts of these different speech systems are only part of it but if we can ally ourselves to features of those particular speech systems, and if we're open to it, they can change our way that we look at the world. We literally can, um, from this space where all of these senses are, look at this, a thing that we looked at a moment ago with familiarity, and then kind of go, "Ooh, that's different now."
0: Give us an example.
1: Well, for example, if I talk to you about mud, I mean, go back, I'm going back to Norfolk, because mud is, I think, about Bodicea. I think about the marshes. I think about ploughed fields. I think about my, my boots having a bit there, a bit wet, aren't they? And so on. And I, I feel cold and the damp. And there's a part of that that's beautiful.
0: <laughs> what about like a? Uh- what about do you think they're embedded then that do you you're saying that you can only take a personal and particular approach you can't go oh like well in a liverpool accent or a merseyside accent i feel these tunes
1: and i see this suggestion mm, no that is the case that you 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 can feel those things i guess what i'm arguing for is that the reason the The particular thing that you are saying at that moment in time will have micro impacts upon the way that the technical instrument is um is accumulating itself. That's the thing about go, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, and so on. is those micro changes are the thing that brings it into a linguistic moment of truth.
0: Cause what about, let's like, say Kenneth Williams, right? Yeah. who are really? love and thinks hilarious like it seems like there's such a lot oh, going no, on with no, his voice
1: yes, <laughs> yes. you've got a little bit of that yourself if you don't mind yeah i saying. picked that up <laughs> I, did, did people tell you that i think i just liked him yeah you know like, so, he's uh, an exquisite man I, I, I mean insofar as not being the not being ordinary
0: when I was like in the Hancock like radio shows as well as obviously the TV shows, there was something that Kenneth Kenneth Williams used to like it was like a signal disrupt when yeah. he came on. You could see why Tony Hancock got rid of him because like the laughter would spike higher uh, uh, with uh, Kenneth uh. Williams because he sort of induced a kind of um hysteria. And I think it came from he was vocally conveying ambiguity. People understood that he was talking about homosexuality at a time when homosexuality was taboo yeah. that, that and all of this was happening yeah. you know obviously on radio through his voice yeah. his voice was doing something
1: fucking crazy absolutely brilliant and and what he's doing amongst other things is he's taking the tongue and he's sort of pulling the tongue back She's so pulling the tongue back into itself, and the tongue is an amazing set of muscles. It's not one. It's a set of muscles that interdigitate. So the muscle fibres aren't just aligned in a singular direction, but one set of muscles has another set of muscles that go through it like that. Uh. So in effect, what happens is the tongue warps to all of these different shapes. How can this thing have evolved, and why? Unbelievable. Well, and presumably other creatures have got... Have got um, muscles that interdigitate in that way, but they haven't for whatever reason, learned how to manipulate the tongue in those different ways that result in those particular sounds um, uh, if you If you listen carefully to um say language systems speech systems that come from say South Asia. Um, uh, Sri Lanka, India and so forth, is you will hear that there's a more retroflex position in the tongue which which becomes, once you start moving into that place, you kind of go, that is exquisite. If we listen to American whatever, you know, uh, okay, so fear no more the heat of the sun. Fear no more the heat of the sun. There's a kind of a pulling back in the tongue that, that um no that absolutely kind of Feel does no something more. to the l sound and the r sound and, l and sound so on and the r yeah. sound um if you listen to if we if we shift into one of the big trends that's happening now in in the way that english even sort of english that's mm, I kind of don't even know how to think about it. Now I kind of the easy the easy thing is to say mainstream, but what's mainstream yeah. really nowadays? Yeah. But you 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 might say strange. Strange. And that's a real different use of the muscles. Um because to say s, if you just make a s you can you can feel there's a kind of a crispness, there's a kind of an edge to the tongue. Can you feel s- that? And then just slide it into sh, sh so go from one to the other. There's a clear physical shift, isn't there? Yes. So yes, yes. Mish <laughs> money printing. Um, so if you uh, what, what in a way uh, um, the systematic way of thinking about the voice, if you take each of the segments of sound, which that what they are called, segmental phonetics is about the understanding of these units of sound that are fizzing through somebody's mouth that's part of it um uh, uh within a, a chain of events and i kind of sometimes think about that like being acoustic dna muscular dna well you know like a dna you get the helix and then you're going to get a series of, of moments as it were in uh, 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 one piece of dna after another piece of dna after another piece of dna and so on and so on and so on so when we're making um, speech utterance, the articulators are kind of moving in these repeated sequences. If you want to be like speak like somebody else, then okay, let's stop the movement of the chain. Let's take that bit of the sequence out. Let's put another bit of the sequence in. So if you if, if I say strange, strange, what we've done strange. is we've, we've put strange. a slightly different ah. DNA sequence in place. Does that make sense? Yes.
0: Yes, and it's almost the way that you can witness evolution because we people must prefer, you know, the purpose, the the usage of the word "wicked" to alter, or the pronunciation of the word "strange" to change. It must mean that there's a sort of an overwhelming sense that this is how that word is said now. So it must yeah, be yeah, continually yeah. brushing
1: up against each other, like in a continual abrasion. Absolutely. So, and and of course, there's a depending on the time that we identify. it, Ourselves in, then there can be um, then there can be a, a, a sense of even not hearing something that comes from another time. So w- what you might get in uh, in one of the London speech systems is you might get bottle, bottle. Yeah, is that a glottal stop? Well, if I say bottle, that's yeah. different than if I say bottle, bottle. So there's bottle and bottle, um, and then if you go northeast you get bottle 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 bottle. that sort of thing bottle. like that what's that that l that's a glottal yeah that's uh, a glottal there so the the thing about what happens to trees that's a that's a little bit why the do these things sir. happen because we are <laughs> messed up as a species no i want to
0: know why it's mm-hmm. happening
1: and what it means i want to know why it 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 i I, t- I can tell you 100% why it happens when we were talking about trees earlier do all leaves have the same shape do all trees have the same shape leaves No. No. Are we going to stop leaves having... You know, diversity in their in their shape and thing. but there is. But not.
0: oak trees have those type of leaves, and maple trees have those type of leaves. And like, even though there is limitless variation on the leaves of individual trees, let alone the various different trees, there is still we. I when I say oak leaf, you have a mental image, and I have a mental image, and we know that there's a correlate. You know, like so, like, and the same with like a like why like it's what I find hard about it is that it's so amorphous language actually accent dialect that how can it be fucking defined at all how can we even uh, say uh, that that's a geordie accent when uh, does it begin
1: where's the boundary but, of that but, I mean- I, but that's it isn't it and it's not only a boundary by geographical location it's a boundary by by is it a boundary by age is it a boundary by gender is it a boundary by time is it a boundary by this street side of the street and this is where you kind of get into um higgins um and and so on it, it, it is actually it's not fixed much as people have tried to fix it, it's not fixed, and it's never going to fix.
0: Do you think there are generalities that can be made? Like, oh, it's because of like the noise of shipbuilding, or the like. Oh, it's because <laughs> of like having to speak quietly because of thinking that you're observed. Do you think that there are sort of rational, logistic
1: I'm sure uh, traits
0: so. within? Like, because when we talked before about you know, like my voice, you said, that you said that I have a very particular voice and hold it in a particular way, and all these kind of things. Like, and and transit, like, you know, me playing a character in the film that spoke RP in the 1930s. Like, the, the, uh, what I was very interested in, in and I don't want to use the word convoluted because it sort of almost feels like a pejorative word, but how I get to use, reuse the word holistic. It was such a sort of like, you know, like, he didn't go right here's the text this is the lines this is how people spoke in the 1930s you speak like that it was more like we started with like a bunch of exercises loosening up the face understand like talking about the voice a lot sort of very sympathetically and trying to understand it and then you know like the text came so late and i what i felt was very surprised by the sort of depth of it and is that how you approach acting always
1: yeah yeah the 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 thing is, the the speaker. When we speak, it is our Twitter handle. We are those moments of our life when we're speaking, and they're never going to come back. So there's something about that that's inherently um, precious. Actually, without being too worthy about it, because because they they're not going to come back. So I would like myself to feel in my own life in focus, um, that it's got purpose. Um, that it's a valuable journey, that I'm always learning, and so on and so on. So uh, it feels courteous, at least, to be able to say, well, I think it's good for you to have that as well, whoever one is working with. So then you're kind of saying, well, how can we work in such a way that allows that genuine living sense of the person in now? How can we work in such a way that it becomes that that essential part of the person doesn't disappear. So in our early interactions, one would be looking at kind of going, what am I hearing in the everyday thing? What, are the, what is my understanding about what these muscle sets are doing? What's the breath doing? What's the flow, the rate, the pitch change? What are all of those things doing? That's a thing that this person, whoever it is, is, is um, on, on some level, knowingly or otherwise, understands. So therefore, it's not about dissing that, it's about growing that, that's the seed. Mm. So one's always looking to try and extend the seed so that it can, since I've gone off on this metaphor, so that it can flower um, in a different way, but still have that essential sense, the person can still have an sen- essential sense of themselves and potentially have a way of looking out through their eyes with, um, with, with, the, with the wonder that can happen when we do change uh, the way that we speak and use different words and come to new kinds of understandings.
0: When I first began acting, I remember there being, I I remember having an instinctive sense like that, you could just be this person and it didn't feel inauthentic at all like i felt like i could just drop out Like i'm talking about sort of drama school really primarily that so i would just think well just be that person and like drop away your belief that you're you and it felt very natural to do it and like much of your vocal work seemed to be Focused on the idea that well, you could have like within you, there are the capacity for different voices, you know, which is analogous to different selves. You could become a different self if you occupy this part of your mouth, this part of your chest, if you use your tongue in this way, if you use your lips in this way, you are gonna sound different. Yeah, it's gonna be a different flow. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. Uh, and micro changes will have a big, big, big effect. Um, the the because they are really. I mean, if uh, I, sometimes it's useful to think about the whole thing as I don't play the piano in my mind. I'm a brilliant pianist. I know you're playing it across the desk. There, there you are, and, I'm, and 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 I guess a pianist would be doing this and probably hearing sounds because they've wired their brain wow. to m- make um, these patterns with the hands and then know certain sounds may be that far apart um, and certain combinations of movements of the fingers will result in certain um, harmonies and keys and chords being played which is Miraculous, and they I think that have...
0: with sporting expertise and all quiet kinds of expertise, yeah. like they would recognise that pattern. I do jiu-jitsu and jiu-jitsu is a physical language. It's about spotting, like when oh, if your elbow is here, you're vulnerable. If you don't, if you move your, if you move onto your side, bring you can bring up your knee, even though you don't think you can move at all in this moment because there's someone on top of you. You can actually move that foot, and then you can move the hips, and then you can get on top. So and, and like it's uh, the complexity of this physical language is initially baffling, and then to see it practiced by experts who watch that they have. Access to this invisible grid, this sort of ever sprawling uh, tendril network that they can just light up as if it had a neurological uh, sort of shadow. Isn't it amazing? Yeah, it's, it's sort of, yeah, and, it, and as you say, like with playing the piano or anticipating how a pass will land, or a sh- you know, where the flight of a ball. You know, people, there's language everywhere, systems, patterns, dis- yeah. patterns of distinction and difference. Absolutely, and
1: Absolutely, and the and the thing about words is that they're only about life, aren't they? You know, (laughs) that's all they are. But the great thing with the words is we can parcel them up. We can take an idea of of something that maybe happened to us 10, 20, whatever years ago or 10, 20 minutes ago. And then we can can relive that by the use of words and then the way that we bring um, those sound sets and patterns into, into place. It's quite remarkable. Um, so I guess what you could say is, is that maybe the the speaking kit that we're using is just a slightly more chaotically organized set of hands. Hmm. Maybe, maybe. Um, and 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 my question would be, if I if as a child, I got a choice that I can play an instrument like the piano, do I just want to be keep, play, keep playing one tune for the rest of my life? Well, no, I don't, and it's not really possible anyway, because you you will be affected by one yeah. the things that happen to you, and two, the um, the the environment, the acoustic, the cultural, uh, the the um, architectural, uh, the countryside environment that you're in. There will be all sorts of things that will affect that. So we do stay. We do stay plastic as time goes on
0: it's difficult to in fact determine exactly where the distinction between music and language might be or say singing vocal music and language and curiously there too we all know that particular melodies and particular tones have a an emotional uh, correlate that yeah, seems yeah. sort of plain and clear and somehow absolute. Um, Joe, to taking it back a bit more rudimentary, will like talk through some of the things, like the, the exercises you made me do, there was a lot of sort of swinging about and loosening up the old body and yeah. stuff yeah. with a wand. And I hold now in my hands, for those of you listening, <laughs> a, a balloon, and this balloon became an Im- a significant part of my work here. Like, and I remember the first time you asked me to blow up the, will you explain what this exercise is? Because you've got balloons.
1: Well, so. Okay, The uh, Okay, it's interesting, the, the, it's interesting the, the, the work with balloons. Um, I first got onto this because uh, uh, I'm finding out that it's something that speech therapists have done. Are
0: you interested in therapy, by the way, in helping people to tackle, so to say, uh, stammering,
1: speech impediments, whatever? Of course, but but my expertise in that particular field are uh, less than other people who spend all of their time mm. in that area. Um, in in a, in in recognizing speech diversity, then what is that? It's not just to do with speech systems or accents and dialects. It's also to do with people's capacities, the shape of the tongue, the shape of the jaw. Um, uh, I've worked with people. People who have had experiences say um, as a private client many years ago I worked with somebody who had uh, suffered a near-drowning experience but had a profound effect on on the, the, the ability to breathe and what breathing was like and so on so these things are and I'm not unusual in that voice coaches will these these sorts of um, experiences are, are not uncommon
0: um, but, but What do you mean you get into psychology when you're looking at voice, that you sort of well, start getting into trauma or patterns or previous experience? Or-
1: it's, not, it's not a voice coach's job to put themselves in that therapeutic world insofar as somebody's psychological well-being is concerned. But if you are working with somebody on their voice, one shouldn't be surprised if, if there comes a moment when somebody finds something difficult. It might knock into something, and it could just be breathing. It could just be um, uh, that, or it could be that holding the jaw in a particular way, it, it could be that it's very clamped, and there could be all sorts of reasons why that. Because in the end, although they are systematic... Movements and manoeuvres with a complex kind of keyboard in the in the face, as it were. Um, of course, it's also connected to somebody's sense of identity and the and the um, the landscape within themselves of acceptability in what it is that they can or cannot do. And we don't always know ourselves consciously what those things are. So it's personal, and there's no sidestepping. There's no sidestepping that. Um, but. But there are people who are very specialist in in working in that field who do so on a far more regular basis than I and with far more uh, expertise. But it's definitely there. I mean, I I, I, I sort of associated with this is um, I was on the bus one day uh, going over Hammersmith Bridge. There was it was open at the time, and there was it's was a while back, and there was. Um, a woman in front of me, and a person who it looked like was her partner. I couldn't see her face, and um, and I, I was trying not to earwig, uh, but sometimes it's just sort of like you just hear something, it just really pulls your ear, and you go, "Oh, what's that? What is that?" Oh, and so I was listening, and I was thinking, "Hmm, I wonder if she sucks her thumb." couldn't see her face um i wonder if she su- sucks her thumb and it's because there was a uh, um she thought was talking like this there she got this sort of thing um it was quite distinct um so i mean what w- and lord lover i mean I, I i total respect it's not i'm not judging i'm just kind of like this is the sort of detective work one finds oneself engaging in strangely at odd times um and um so it's to do with the, the the what you might call the tongue carriage. Is it pulled back? Is it released? Is it up? Is it down? Um, is it forward? Is it back? And so on. And uh, and it sounded to me like it was forward, and um and I sort of kept trying to sneak around. I thought I can't. Okay, behave yourself. Behave yourself. Um and it got to the stop before uh um Hammersmith gyratory uh, where the tube is. And she got up to get off the bus with her partner. She gave him a kiss and popped her thumb in her mouth. Straight back in the old gob. It was it was absolute, because it, it was that thing where, because when you do that, what you're doing, aren't you, is you're making a vacuum in the mouth and you're taking the, the tongue and you're pulling it forwards. Mm. And so if somebody is in, uh, say, obviously there's variety in all of this, none of these things are whole, whole complete uh, 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 truth, but if you if you have somebody who's doing that all of the time, you you know, do they do it because they l- because they like to feel comfortable? Do they do it when they're feeling worried? Do they do it when they're fe- feeling feeling um, loved up? You know, I mean, all sorts of different things. But of course, what's happening in that process is that the the body and the mind is practicing together to draw the tongue forward. So if there are trigger moments around how somebody experiences life, then it's not going to be surprising, really, that those sort of physical postures and patterns come back. I can't tell you. I was so happy. <laughs> it, it was just <laughs> you correctly deduced that this was a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there'll be people far more expert than I. That, 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 is, that is the case. But, but, um, but this is the joy about, about sort of being in the linguistic world and really just starting to pay attention. Because a lot of the time it's just without prejudice, I'm going to try and understand how this thing works. um, And I'm going to try and find ways slowly of being able to do that myself. So my mission is really, I I find for myself, is to understand more about the diversity of human speech and its endless complexity and then try to help other people come to a, a place of knowing a place of flexibility a place of appreciation a place of creativity with all of that which is actually i think more akin to being a child than it is to do being a, a serious adult who speaks properly pro- properly and can understand all of these sort of different ways of of being
0: you helped me very uh, you do that beautifully help people to make those discoveries and with me uh, personally i found like that um, this, this business
1: here, talk us through what you do okay. with this bloody balloon. So, so uh, uh, going cutting cutting back, sorry, I went on one. Um, uh, cutting back, the, the balloon, uh, I found about speech therapists, um, and what they do is they would blow it up, apparently, and then, um, if you blow it up and tie a knot in it, if you make a sound, you'll get vibration in the balloon. So that's what first started me thinking about it. And the next thing was, I was blowing up the balloon thusly, so I'm now blowing up the balloon. <coughs> So hopefully you'll be able to hear that, um, and then a bit more. So, one of the things you'll observe is that you hear the friction sound of the air going into the balloon against air pressure. Um, then I thought, well, what happens that uh, uh, you don't hear anything else? So my vocal folds are not vibrating. So then I thought, oh, I wonder if I can make my vocal folds vibrate whilst blowing up the balloon. The balloon is
0: going up for those of you listening at home.
1: Joe is successfully blowing up a balloon
0: while making that noise.
1: Um beautiful commentary if you may say so if I may say so. Um so uh what I've done there is I've made my vocal folds work normally, uh, uh, the vast majority of speech sounds are going to be produced because air is egressive; it's moving out of the body, mostly through from the lungs, um, and then passing between the vocal folds that are starting to vibrate. That means there's a slight obstruction to the airflow. So, um, The other thing that's significant about it, when I'm doing it like this, is I'm actually having to make that work against increasing air pressure. So normally uh, ambient air pressure it has got, we wouldn't feel any particular resistance to it. We're very used to it. But of course blow into a balloon and it's trying to fight back. It's trying to go back into the body. So it begins to mess with the fundamental relationship of the balance of air pressure coming out of the body and air pressure that's trying to get back into the body. And you have to make a really kind of confident um, movement of the air in order to sustain the vibration of the vocal folds. And often what you get, and this did happen in your case, often what you get is a cleaner kind of acoustic signal because the vocal folds come together with a bit more decisiveness. Does so, that what would what
0: well, yeah, it does. But what so my voice before, well, I suppose it's like it is now. What does that mean? I'm not like, the, the, there's a different amount of air, there's a different quality to it. How,
1: what, what was the transition? The, 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 the reason why we did it in your case was because the sound that you were using was, is sitting, um, in a more, I'll call it sort of a backed place, kind of like more, kind of like there, sort of sitting back on the vocal files. It was also quite high relatively speaking compared we found out that your instrument has got a lot more range in so far as the lower richer sounds are concerned um, um, but you tended to favour the higher sounds that were crisp but also a sense of it kind of going back so it was kind of a little bit if I kind of begin to shift in that way sort of like that there so you, if, you have, if I talk to you like this you can hear that the sound has got a bit more edge to it it's a bit harder can you hear you, if I do that what we began to move towards i hope i'm right to say all this tell me no, no, I, know, I like it, it's helpful um um so what we began to move towards was a sense of making the spaces bigger in order that we um in order that we uh got more echo chamber in order that we got a sense of the sound itself having a bit more of that bulldog quality of the right to speak um uh, about it, the sense of um, entitlement. Uh, uh, you you could argue. Now, I've just um, cited uh, the title of a very fine voice teacher called Patsy Rodenberg, of the the title of her first book called the called the Right to Speak, and uh, and and it's a fascinating book and was s- seminal in my in my uh, development as a voice coach. I read it many many years ago before training. And, um, and uh, the first half of the book was all sorts of reasons why people don't speak, and so on. Now, I'm not saying, of course, in your case, that you weren't speaking. What I was saying, what I was observing, was that there was a pattern of it seeming, for whatever reason, to go in a backward rather than the forward direction, and to make the echo chambers smaller rather than bigger. Which might be because you're a very quick thinker, say. So the thing is, if you're a quick thinker, then you it takes a, a micro more time to be able to release the jaw to get the bigger echo chamber to get a, 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 a potentially a slightly fuller sound, and so on. So if you don't feel you've got time, you're going to keep the echo chamber small. The mouth is what I'm talking about, the resonators. Ah, um, oh, the old the echo, echo chamber. chamber. You know what I mean? I mean, it is an echo chamber, really. Yeah. So it feels like a, um, a, 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 a more sort of accessible kind of way of understanding it really um and so on anyway
0: also the indication is that by or you know that that makes sense you know like last time you talked about sort of socio-economic reasons why my voice might have formed in that way and this time you're saying because of speed of thought but in, in either case if you do something to alter your voice you, there is a, the suggestion that your mental processes will also alter.: That's, as a, that's as the bunker's
1: exciting bit. That's the bit that's really, really, really exciting, because then you can we can know the world and ourselves in the world in different ways. If we can do that, then we have a wider registration of sort of empathetic capacities in order to be able to encounter and value other people's experiences. Which is, if we can do that, I think there's hope in a world that's very troubled. Um, so what, what, everything that one does, hopefully, is is leaving a positive trail, and is um, uh, 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 and is really sort of um m- moving towards enhancing the human condition on some small level it's something that one can do can 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 do the more that i've moved uh away from just teaching a singular set of narrowly defined skills into appreciating people and, you know, the richness that people can bring and uh, 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 and the ways within which we can move to different kinds of understandings of ourselves in the world, then the more I want to know. I just keep wanting to know more and more and more all of the time. It's just it's a great way it's a great way to earn a pittance <laughs> <laughs> Joe, such a, a, a wonderful um
0: it's such a wonderful experience to be able to have this conversation with you thank you for sharing with our listeners what um you've already shared with me you're a very beautiful holistic exciting passionate somewhat melancholy poetic approach <laughs> to a voice and all everyone talks everyone speaks we all need to communicate and yeah. in most cases uh, verbally and vocally thank you very much for sharing your expertise and folding on to that balloon still full of air are you afraid to let that out of I,
1: I have now. this is the balloon <laughs> just to clarify <laughs> that was neither Joe nor myself nor even the dog you bear who's with us say <laughs> <laughs> thanks Joe thanks uh, for doing uh, that it's an utter pleasure uh, thank you
0: lovely conversation cheers mate yeah thank you for listening to Under the Skin with Joe Windley let me know what you thought of it on Instagram or on Twitter anywhere on Twitter you can use the hashtag under the skin and just communicate to me just what you feel about life me, yourself, I'm here for you. Remember, I'm coming to Australia, New Zealand and Canada with my new show, Recovery Live. Tickets are available right now. Go to russellbrand.com Sign up to the mailing list there as I keep telling you continually. I mean, I'm surprised you're still listening to this, actually. I mean, I could find, I could be more novel, couldn't I? Anyway, I hope you're having a wonderful time in this uh, period of transition and I adore you and I love you and I'm here for you. Bye. That's Under the Skin from Luminary Media.